Well, turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 4 this morning. How I love the Word of God. I like what the psalmist said. It's sweeter than honey to my lips. That's what his word is. And the Bible talks in many different places about his word being found. That his word is the joy and rejoicing of my heart. That the word of God is like, it's like a man that's, that's, that's seeking treasure. You know, the Bible talks about the pearl of great price. The, the woman that, that loses something, she, she, she sweeps over the house. That's one thing when a man sweeps over a house, but when a, when a woman sweeps over a house, she's going to find that thing. <laughs> and so that's what the word of God, though, is. It's that pearl of great price that when you do that, it's like you, 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 buy the, you find that great thing in a field and you purchase the whole field. Amen. I'm purchased, you know, I, I purchased this with my life. What, what I mean is I, I put my life into this because... Even if I'm not a minister, once I found the Lord Jesus Christ, I found what my heart was looking for. Hallelujah. So let's look in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. Lord, let every heart be attentive this morning. Let every mind be attentive. And Lord, we just thank you for your word that, that changes us. And Lord, we endeavor to put it into practice today as we, we see it and we understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them, talking about God's words, not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. You know, there, it must be more than just, you know, that you find the Bible and you can read the passage what he's talking about here. You, someone finding it. That means that you have to dig into it. You have to look for it. Just like that treasure. They are life unto those that find them and health, or as the margin says, medicine to all their flesh. So God's word is actual medicine to our spirit, our soul, and our body. Can you say amen? Verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. The Hebrew says, above all keeping. For out of it are the issues of life. Now I believe the Amplified says, and above all that you guard. So, you know, if you were trying to guard this room, where would you go? Where would be the obvious place to go from a security standpoint? If you're going to protect this room, you're going to guard. I see, yeah, I see a couple points to the, to the door. And so when we talk about guarding, he says, keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence. Another word is with all vigilance. And as we said, the Amplified says, guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it are the issues of life. You know, people guard possessions. They guard their money. Whatever they have that's important to them, they'll guard it. 
But in life, our spirit is the most important thing that we have. You know, even our body is, is, is an amazing thing. Our body was, was bought and paid for. Now, it's not born again yet, but one day it's going to be. <laughs> Thank God that it's going to be redeemed and we're going to have a glorified body. But even now, even in the state it's in, it's an amazing thing. We just have to learn to take care of it better many times. <clears throat> but our body is bought and paid for. Our spirit is bought and paid for. And in our mind, the Bible says, renew your mind. And so when it comes to guarding, our, like we said, our spirit is the most important thing and part of our being. We have to guard it, watch over it, and tend to it. So one of the things that will help us in life is, is learning this. That's our responsibility. You know, a lot of times when it comes to spiritual things, people put things off and, well, we're going to leave it up to, to the spouse or, or to the preacher or to, to our friend. But our spiritual condition is up to us. The, the condition of our heart. Now, when, and we're going to talk about this, but when we're talking about a heart, we're not talking about our physical blood pump. How many understand that? We're talking about the spirit of man. The Bible says it's the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So this morning, I want to talk about protecting my heart in the last days. Protecting my heart in the last days. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 says this. <clears throat> I'm just going to turn over there real quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. How many think it would be important that we protect our heart? And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God is interested in our spirit. He's interested in our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. He's interested in our physical body. He said, and that they would be preserved blameless. Unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's a the verse over in the book of Jude. Chap, there's only one chapter. Verse 24 says this. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless. Before the, the presence of his glory. So do you know that it's possible that, that you can be presented faultless. Without blame before the Lord. See, the devil wants to lie and tell you that that's not possible. That, you know, we, you know, wrong doctrine will tell you that, you know, we're just sinners saved by grace and we sin every day and, and um, you can't make it an hour without sinning. <laughs> then if that's, if that's true, then why should we be required to repent? Because it's not our fault, you know, we couldn't help it. But... You know, the truth is, is the Bible says that we should walk even as he walked. How did Jesus walk? He walked without sin. Now, we know he was our substitute, but he was also our example. You can walk, you can walk days and weeks and not sin. Now, sometimes, I mean, that's where the rocks come out right there. You know, it's like blasphemy, blasphemy. 
But the Bible says we can walk as he walked. Jesus is my example. Jesus is my hero. And I want to be just like him when I grow up. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God wants my heart. Protecting my heart in the last days. God wants my heart. But you know that the devil wants your heart as well? He wants, what does that mean? He wants your heart. He wants your affection. He wants what, what the inside of you. <clears throat> Things are vying for your mind time. Whatever you keep on your mind, that's what you're going to open your heart up to. So that's why we have to guard our heart and we have to guard our mind. So if we want to guard our heart, we want to protect of our heart, what do we have to do? As we pointed there, and Wendy pointed toward, to the door. How do you protect the uh, building? You protect the door. Well, the mind is the doorway to your spirit. So if you don't want bad things getting in you, then don't, don't let them get in your mind. Now, that doesn't mean that thoughts will not come. I like what uh, I heard one minister say, he said, you know, thoughts may come and thoughts may go, but thoughts that are not put into action, they die unborn. And it's like this, too. You know, you can't help the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep one from putting a nest in your hair. So thoughts are going to come to you. That doesn't mean that you're not a holy saint of God. Even the most holy saint of God has found thoughts in their mind that their heart resents. And you despise it. But that's, here's the thing. What do you do when those thoughts come? Do you entertain them? Do you just say, okay, you can stay here? Or do you get rid of them? Do you do like the Bible says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? Amen. Any thought that's coming against the word of God that's saying you're going to die. You, you, you're, you're not going to make it this time. You know, I had some of those thoughts this year. I mean, I nearly died. I guess I did. And, and you know, when those things happen, you know, the enemy starts to, to lie to you. You're not going to make it. You're not going to, you know, so you stand up and say, no, I shall not die, but I'm going to live. I'm going to proclaim the works of the Lord. Amen. But a lot of times it's on a much smaller level than that. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never do anything. And then, you know, sometimes they've, people have heard that from their parents that they would never do anything. But whatever you keep on your mind, you're going to open your heart up to. I want you to look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Do you know that your mind is a lot like your mouth? You know, if, if you don't want to have something get on the inside of you, food-wise, then what, what's the best thing you not do? Don't eat it. <laughs> you know, what if you get something that's really bad? You ever got something that's bad? Do you have a choice at that, that time? Or do you just say, well, you know, I already have it here in my mouth. I'll just eat it anyway. You know, if it's something really bad, I mean, you have the choice at that time. You, you can spit it out. You can get rid of it. The same thing when thoughts come to your mind. And see, here's the thing we have to realize. Thoughts come from two different places in life. 
<coughs> they come from within or they come from without. From within is the presence of God. From without can be all kinds of things. But here's the thing. What do you entertain? What do you listen to? And so whatever you, that's why I said, things are vying for our mind time. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says this. Or look in verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down. Well, let me go back to verse 4. He says, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. A lot of times people just stop right there and they think of strongholds and they they think of spirits and they think of, of just demons and we're going to have to go up into the heavenlies and pull these things down. But keep it in context. Well, look what he goes on to say in verse 5. He goes right into this, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. So what do we have to do? We have to guard our mind on a daily basis. I have to protect my mind. Amen. You know that it's effort to think? (laughs) I remember hearing, uh, when I was in Bible school, hearing a, a minister talk about dealing with an individual. Virtually had lost his mind. And, um, but he said, he said, the Lord helped him to see that it wasn't just about dealing with demons. He said he had to get him to get a hold of his mind again. Because it's his mind. He just decided to turn it loose. And so, and of course, I think he was into drugs. And so, you know, everything, that, the, see the enemy and, and also false religions, they'll tell you, you know, just, just don't think, just empty your mind. <laughs> the Lord never told you to just empty your mind. Just think nothing. Well, the reason why the enemy wants you to think nothing is so he can bring some thoughts in. And that's why you see people in such a bad shape, that, you know, that are in drugs and different things like that. But what he had to do is get this, this man to start taking control of his thoughts. Start thinking in line with the Word of God. And he got delivered. And just in a couple hours of dealing with him, and, and it was the people just that saw him in the office, they said, glory to God. <laughs> and uh, he said, I wish it stayed that way. He said the next day he was just mumbling and just, you know, going off. And he said finally after like an hour of working with him, he finally got over to him and said, you know, man, what happened? He said, well, I just had this thought and I had this thing and he just went off and and just turned loose of his mind again. So you have to learn and choose to meditate upon God's word. And like he says here, casting down imaginations. Now I love that because it's the same word for throw. Just like if you threw a ball, you can throw an imagination. You can throw a thought that's wrong. You know, if... If something comes to my door, someone knocks on my door and I don't want them to come in. If it's a package that, hey, I didn't order that, I can send it back. I can look through the keyhole. Oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not coming to get that. 
See, that's what the enemy does. And while I'm talking, I want you to look over in Philippians chapter 3. Four. Chapter 4. So if I'm going to protect my heart, then I have to protect my mind. Bad things will never get in your heart if they don't get through your mind. But you have to stop it. You have to arrest it. But here's our checklist in life. Just like when you fly or you do a lot of different things, you have a checklist. You have a pre-trip inspection as a, a, a driver. <clears throat> Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, what things soever are honest, what things soever are just, what things soever are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So things have to meet the checklist if I'm going to think about it. You know, that, that's one thing. There are several things in, in your Christian life that need to be in good working order. One thing is your forgiver. <laughs> your forgiver should be in good working order. I forgive you, I forgive you. You're a believer, you know, where do you believe God? With your heart. Your believer should be in good working condition. Now, I'm, I know this is not a word that's in the Bible, but I'm just using it as, for instance, your, your, your cast downer should be good, working good too. Your cast downer should be working good. I, can't, I throw that out. And your replacer should be working really good. I'm replacing that with the word of God. Your cast downer and your replacer should be a good working order. But if you just say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just tired right now and I don't want to deal with those thoughts. Then what's going to happen? The enemy's just going to come in. So this is our checklist. So, you know, it's got to be true, lovely, honest. You might say, well, this, someone's talking about this person and, and this brother or this sister. But, and it's true. Yeah, but it's not of a good report. So I'm not going to think about it. My ears are not garbage pans and garbage pails. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And so when people come to, to, to bring those things, you just say, no, I don't have time. So I want to share this morning four areas where I must guard my heart. And you could, you could probably give a list of a hundred of these, but four areas where I have to guard my heart. Number one, my spiritual hunger. My spiritual hunger. I have to guard my heart to stay hungry for God. Why? Because how many people I have seen through the years, I'm talking about walking with the Lord for 30 years, pastoring for 10 years, you see where people lose that hunger. They lose that zeal. They lose that first love. Yeah. And what happens is, is there, now this is, we only have four rows in here, so this is not applying to anybody in here. <laughs> but, you know, people go figuratively from the first row to the middle of the church, to the back door, and then out the back door. Why? Because of all kinds of things. 
Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So one thing that I always want to do in my life is monitor my hunger level. I always want to cultivate. You know, cultivate is a little bit of work, isn't it? Who's ever um, done a garden? You have to cultivate the ground. You have to get it ready. It's a lot of work to, to maintain it. You know, if you do tomatoes, there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of the watering. You have to watch the birds. You have to do all kinds of stuff. Then you can't let it stay on the vine too long and it's going to rot. You know, and then, you know, the, all kinds of things will try to come and steal your harvest. So I have to keep an eye on this all the time. Am I hungry for God? Just ask yourself this question. Am I hungrier for God this year than I was last year? Have I lost my appetite? Have I cooled off? Do I pray like I always have or even more so? Amen. Just some questions I had to ask myself. What's my word level look like? Do I enjoy spending time in the presence of God? Do I enjoy that time? I remember, and, and maybe you remember when you gave your life to the Lord, where you would just, I know just, I was just listening to a young person here um, recently. He was talking, he was preaching, and he said that when he first got saved, pretty much like what I did, I just read my Bible. But, but me also, I would just listen to praise and worship music just all the time and just worship God and just, because I always like music, I just kind of turned the dial. I turned it from classical and jazz, and I turned it to, to Jesus. Amen. And so, as we see here in Revelation chapter 3, this is, Jesus was ministering, had appeared. This is, uh, John was the one Jesus appeared to. He wrote the book of Revelation. And in this, this is seven different letters to seven churches in these first three chapters. And we see here in chapter 3, do you know that only one of the churches really, or two churches really, he, he praised pretty well and didn't have anything against them. But most of them, he had at least something against them. And we see this one in um, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Have you ever heard people that, that talk like that? Well, you know, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. You know, I don't need the Lord. I'm doing pretty good. The, the, you know, what they equate, I'm doing pretty good. That means my, my needs are met, so I don't really need God in my life. He says, but you know not that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold, tried in the fire, that you may be rich in white raiment, that you may be clothed. And that the shame of your nakedness do not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. 
As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So do you know, just from that verse, correction is a good thing in our life. Now, how many as a kid, you love correction? <laughs> who, who just loved it and just embraced it? Oh, Dad, thank you so much. No, it, it takes, you know, once you get older and it takes, once you're out of the house and maybe 30, 40, 50 years old and you realize, man, I'm thankful for what my mom and dad did. They didn't let me just slide. You know, they, they applied the, the, the um, board of correction to the seat of learning. Amen. You know, I, I could hear the, the belt coming through. My dad, he'd go, you know, it's like, oh, no. Judgment day was coming, you know. And uh, you start crying out for mercy really quick. <laughs> it's like our, my pastor said, uh, oh, no, daddy, no, daddy, oh, no, daddy. You know, just, just when you hear that sound. But with God, he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Now, thank God he doesn't chasten us the way people think. Now, that word chasten is the same word that means where we see in the Bible to train up, like as a child. So what God, the way he chases us is by training us up, by teaching us, not by putting sickness on us, not, you know, by, you know, having us have a car wreck or all kind of other things like that. So as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So why is he standing at the door? Because our heart is closed, because we have it opened up to him. And so he tells us, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You know, I thought it was very interesting when... Um, Listening to um, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, he said this back in um, years ago one on the broadcast that they had, The Great Awakening. He said that there was someone in another country, and I believe they were in India. And uh, I stand to be corrected on this, but anyway, he was there, and there was this lady that was watching, or maybe she was in the States, but she was Indian, you know, from, from the nation of India. And so as she's watching this program, pastor, at the end, he, he's praying, and at, as soon as he's praying, Jesus walks through the screen and stands in front of her and holds out his hand. And... Um, and so he's tell, she's telling him this, and he, he said, what'd you do? She said, I said, no. Jesus put his hand out a second time. What'd you do? She said, I said, no. <laughs> the third time, put out his hand. He said, what did you do? He said, I held out my hand. He said, when I did that, he just seemed to like just leap on the inside. He said, and I got born again. Well, see, that's opening the door. And see, that's what the Lord wants to do is, is open the door, open the door of people's hearts. You know, the Bible talks about uh, Lydia in the book of Acts. It said, whom the Lord opened her heart to hear the word of the Lord. So you have to come with an open heart. 
You know, a lot of times people come to church with all kinds of different attitudes. You have to come with a hungry heart. And, and a hungry heart is an open heart. Yeah. Amen. You know what a hungry heart means? I don't know everything. And Lord, if I'm wrong, then I want to be corrected. I want you to show me if I'm not right. Because I don't want to take a wrong path. If you, if you look back in chapter 2 of Revelation, he says this in verse 4. He says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen, and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come unto you quickly, and will remove your candlestick out of its place, except you repent. So, return to your first love. See, that's all about our spiritual hunger. Return to your first love. You know, if, if, you t- if you say this morning, years ago I used, to, I used to do this, and I used to pray, and I used to... But if you're not doing it now, then what? Return to that place. I used to read my Bible hours a day. Now, maybe your schedule's changed. You might not have time to do that, but you can still uh, fit that in, however you know, the Lord leads you. But if you look at... You, you don't want to look at your life and say, I used to be on fire for God, but now I'm just kind of like a little bit of an ember that's just a little bit of a glow. Amen. God wants you red hot today. Amen. So number two, four areas of where I must guard my heart. Now, this is a big one. Brace yourself. I must protect my heart against offense. Being offended. Let me just say this. I don't care if you're talking about church or on the job or just anywhere. All of us have an opportunity to be offended every day, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my boss didn't do this for me. And, and you know, they were supposed to have done this. And they were supposed to um, fix that, t- you know. They're supposed to fix that, Matt. They're supposed to fix the tire on your truck. They're supposed to do this, supposed to do that. You can be offended at all kinds of things. Well, this person owes me. You know, they should have done this for me. And so don't allow anything to offend you. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they which love thee. Who loves the Word of God in here? So if you love the Word of God, there's going to be great peace in your life. And he says, nothing shall offend them. Now, when we use that word offended, it generally means this, that that which causes you to stumble. That's why we call it a stumbling block. Something that, you ever just tripped over something? I mean, I got a lot of cords over here. I just have to watch it sometimes, you know. Something that would cause me to stumble and something that would cause me to trip. So that's what an offense is. It can come in the, the form of hurt feelings. It can be what someone didn't do for me. So I had to protect my heart. And, and something that's always helped me in life is I just, I realize this. No one owes me anything. You know, you'll be a happier person if you just come to that realization. No one owes me anything. Amen. That's what the Bible means when it says, owe no man anything but to love him. That doesn't mean that, you know, you don't, well, you know, I have a, I have to pay this bill, so, you know, I'm not doing what the Bible says. No, he's just saying, 
that that so people get in condemnation about having debt and things like that. And I mean, we don't want to be in debt, but thank God, you know, you're not in sin if you have some debt. What he's saying is this. There's a debt you'll never get paid, and it's the love debt. You always have that to pay, to forgive people, to walk in love towards other people. And so another thing that I've always endeavored to do is this, when it comes to other people. Expect nothing and appreciate everything. Just expect nothing. But how many know we're expecting a lot from the Lord? I'm expecting a lot from heaven, but when it comes to other people, I don't put pressure on people. We give people an opportunity to sow and to give, but, but we, don't, we don't get up and say you have to give. If people don't give, then they don't give. <laughs> you know, that, that's why even the Bible talks about submission and authority. But you know, if, if you as a leader... People are under you. The Bible doesn't say make people submit. The Bible doesn't say husbands make your wives submit. What do you do? You have to submit yourself. Amen? Everyone here? Everyone? The baby will be okay. She's responding more than most people. But here, you know, this is the purpose of an offense. And this is actually one of the, um, what a scholarly uh, writer, he wrote this. And it's talking about that word offense. To cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. See, this is what an offense, if, if you get offended at a church, if you get offended at a boss, if you get offended at a coworker, you know, people leave a good job because of a coworker. That coworker's not paying their bills. <laughs> Amen. That coworker's not paying their, their salary. But that's what offense does to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. So here's one of the things we realize. People can be offended. Don't be offended at your spouse. Don't be offended at parents. Don't be offended on the job. And more importantly, don't be offended with God. You know, people are offended at God. Well, God, you know, God wasn't there for me. Or God wasn't, didn't come through for me. God has never let any person down. Well, the thing is, is sometimes people just quit him. But say this, God is a good God. The devil's a bad devil. <laughs> so don't let anything cause you to miss God's best for your life. And offense will do that. Amen. I said this all through the years when I, I remember years ago. And you know, you, sometimes you'll just say things that help you yourself. And um, there was, a, I had a pastor one time and he got saved. He, he came out of Chicago. He was like a rough, real rough guy. And, and um, he was an Italian. And, um, but anyway, I had respect for him. And 
one thing I always said, I said, even if he cussed me out, he said, I wouldn't say anything. Because I always knew that if you want to get in trouble, you just start talking about men of God. You just start talking about people in the ministry. And I said, I don't care if what he does. I may not like it. I'm not saying I would stay around. But if he cussed me out and, and, and one side or the other, I'm not going to stand up and I'm not going to rail against him. Do you remember what happened with Saul and David? Now, here's a man that's literally virtually possessed of the devil. And these guys come up and say, um, they said, David, we found him. We found him in the cave. This is our opportunity. Look, you don't have to do it. I'll do it. You know, I'll take him out. And so David turns and says, you will not touch the Lord's anointed. And so, I mean, a man who is virtually demon-possessed. But don't let anything cause you to miss God's best. So number three, bitterness. Bitterness. And I believe that, that offense and bitterness, if you're, once you're offended about something, it can lead you to be bitter. But don't let yourself get bitter over what happened. You know, we've all had things that happen, especially as you look back in your past. Over what happened in our life. Over what didn't happen in our life. But we have to learn how to forgive. Hebrews chapter 12. Thank you, Lord. Now this is where the rubber hits the road. <laughs> Amen. I like what I heard one person say. You know, you can never unscramble eggs. Have you ever scrambled eggs and you try to throw it back together? It doesn't work. But you know, you, you can take something, you can't unscramble things that happen in your life, but just like, a, like eggs, you can add cheese to it, tomatoes and peppers and make a nice omelet out of it. God can change what was bitter in your life and make something beautiful out of it. Hebrews 12, actually look in verse 14 real quickly. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall go to heaven. Is that what that says? Without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently. Now let me go back because I can, I can hear the, the wheels turning. <laughs> Because we do live in a, in a time where, where people think anything goes. If you, wanna, if you want to live, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to live for the Lord, you, you have to live a holy life. That just means Christ-likeness. Because anything doesn't go. A lot of times we live in the time anything goes, but it doesn't. And, um, you know, I'm not, I won't say names, but I'll just say this. I was, there was a, um, a person that, you know, I won't really say impacted my life, but I knew of this person. And this person had a great ministry, great ministry. And um, so, so I'm not throwing rocks and I'm not throwing stones. Amen. I'm just telling you what some things that happened. 
But this person um, had a thriving church, 9,000 people on a Sunday morning, or at least in the membership. And um, great things happened, but in fact, this person spoke at my, my um, Bible school graduation. But a number of years ago, some things happened where he had this certain revelation. So-called revelation. And so, all, so what actually what happened is he, he started preaching and teaching ultimate reconciliation. So what ultimate um, reconciliation says is that every person will be saved. And some, some, even some of the beliefs even say that the devil will be restored. Well, how many know that's not going to happen? The Bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels. And so much so that this, this um, and you're, you're seeing a lot of this right now in the body of Christ. A lot of people that are turning and said, I used to believe this, but now I no longer. I, I used to teach on tithing and I believed it, but you know, I preached a lie. Well, maybe people, you know, maybe people were in excess and we know that happens, but don't throw everything out. People should just repent and say I was wrong, but the Bible's still true. The Bible still talks about tithes and offerings. But this gentleman, he got to where he even talked and, and preached that there was no hell. And so even, and so a lot of the people that said they were hurt by churches and, and this and that, um, when this message came forth, they embraced it. Well, of course they were. Why? Because you don't have to change. God loves you just the way you are, and everyone's going to heaven. That, that was what was, was heralded. He just died this last week at 70 years old, and I pray that, I pray the mercy of God reached him. But it's so sad because, and I, I know the mercy of God. Where he lived was the holy Mecca in the United States. When I say Mecca, I'm, I'm just talking, I'm just trying to, people know what I'm talking about in their mind. Tulsa, Jerusalem. I know the mercy of God that, that God sent many people to that man. But you know, one thing that our pastor said, and it's always stuck with me, you can get people delivered from all kinds of lifestyles. I don't care what the lifestyle is or any kind of sin, no matter how, how deep the sin is. But rarely will you ever get people out of false doctrine because it just it has those tentacles that just won't, won't let go. And so that's why we said you have to protect your mind. I could tell you other stories where, of people that once were in the ministry for 20 years with their husband, but they came to the place where they denied Jesus and said, I don't want him anymore. Committed the sin unto death. And, and actually went and died and went to hell. How is that possible? Because of not protecting your heart. Because of allowing bitterness in. How many know it's not worth it? So we learn to forgive 
to let it go and let it go. Let it drop. Hallelujah. And then number four. Some of you are like, please move on. (laughs) And this is so important. This is an area I have to guard my heart. Wrong associations. Be careful of those that are around you. Be careful to have the right people around you. Now, if any of you knew uh, Lester Summerall, he was he was a very bold man, and um, but he, he he knew Smith Wigglesworth personally. He he kind of like bridged the gap between different eras, in in my opinion, because he knew a lot of the greats. Traveled with um, the great Howard Carter. But Lester Summerall, he was talking about his kids. He says, "I choose my friend, my kids as friends." He said, "Why? Because they're not going to go to hell." They're going to go to heaven. And, uh, but, but just all kinds of things. You have to watch your associations. I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord, my pastor at the time, he, um, he pastored, but he also was a full-time um, agent for an insurance company. And um, we were talking one time, and he said that, that people... If you look at their life from now and in five years from now, their life is going to be pretty much the same except for two reasons. Number one, what they read and the people they hang around. And so that is absolutely the truth. Whatever you feed on, whatever you look at, whatever you put on the inside of you is going to change you for the good or for the bad and whatever companionship you have. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Evil communication. So you ever heard somebody say, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened to little Johnny. You know, he just, Johnny just, he got in with the wrong crowd and, and he's doing this and this. He is the wrong crowd. He's not just with the wrong crowd. He is the wrong crowd. But it happens just, it starts just a little bit. And it becomes a slippery slope. So don't allow certain people in your life. You know, sometimes when you talk like this as a believer, people think, well, you know, you're just holier than thou. No. Jesus spent time with friends. I mean, it's, he spent time, the Bible says, with publicans and sinners. That doesn't mean he condoned what they did. But he, but he impacted them and they didn't impact him. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 5 says about this. First Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. I can find it here. Sometimes your pages stick together, mine just fall apart, so I'm just trying to get to it here. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 9. Paul says this. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous 
or extortioners or with idolaters. For then must you needs go out of the world. So what's he saying? He said, I'm not telling you don't fellowship with these people. He said, you, you couldn't even stay in the world because they're everywhere in, the, in you know, all kinds of different people. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. With such a one, know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within. Now see, much of the church world, not just this verse, but other verses, they totally ignore. The Bible talks about different ones that cause division. It says, you know, mark them and avoid them. He said, don't, don't treat them like they're an enemy, but admonish them as a brother. Why? Because they want to keep getting all the same benefits and privileges of being apart, but they're causing division. You know, the Bible talks about the same thing when it talks about if anyone would not work, don't let him eat. <laughs> Let's just meditate on that for a minute. <laughs> Amen. That's not talking about people that, that, are, that want to work and, and they just, you know, people can find hard times. We know that. But that people that have opportunities, but they don't take them. He says, don't even help those people. Moving right along. <clears throat> but we have to watch our associations, don't we? Thank you, Lord. And I'm commencing to begin to finish. Luke chapter 21. Luke 21 and then verse 34. Jesus is speaking. He says, take heed to yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that that day come upon you unaware. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to, you, to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So what does the Lord tell us? He says, take heed to yourselves. You know, before you can take, you know, before you can help someone else, you have to make sure that you're taking heed in your own life. Take heed to yourselves. Take heed that you don't let the, as the Bible says, that you don't let these things slip. You remember Peter was talking in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, uh, he said, even though I know you've already been established in this present truth, he said, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, talking about this body, he called his body his tabernacle. He said, while I'm in this tabernacle, he says, I'm going to always stir you up by putting you in remembrance of these things, even though you already know them. So take heed to yourself. So that, notice what he says, lest at any time that your heart, talking about your spirit, be overcharged with these things, drunkenness, cares of this life, and so that that day come upon you unaware. 
That's why the Bible says that, that Jesus is coming back. The second coming of Christ is going to be as a thief in the night. And that's why the Bible says in, in Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins. How many know that what he's, he's talking about, you could say that that's the church, couldn't you? That they're pure, they're holy, they're, they're ten virgins. But the five were wise and five were unwise. And so it said that five of them were ready. And, you know, here, here's the punchline of that whole thing. Be ready. Five had enough oil. But the other five, they, they probably weren't thinking of staying a long time. So the Bible says that they, they went and then they came to the people. They, they said, give us of your oil when the call was made. Well, you know, when the call is made, that's not when it's time to get ready. Now, have you, ever, have you ever been going somewhere, and the spouses, you know, just look straight ahead, but, you know, have you ever been going somewhere and, and you say, hey, are you, are you ready? Almost. <laughs> just about. Well, almost ready is the same as what? Not being ready. So God wants us ready, but we have to always monitor these things in our heart. Keep your heart ablaze. Keep your heart, you know, it's just like this. Now, living uh, where I live now, uh, growing up, we had a wood-burning stove. And so, you know, you put that thing full of fire logs, and now you just, we just hit the nice thermostat, and everything's good. But we had a thermostat, but then my mom, she would put that, that, that wood-burning stove, and it would be hot as Hades in there, you know. <laughs> and, um, oh, it would be so hot, and you're just sweating. But you were glad for it through the night, because you'd come in there in the morning, and that thing would dwindle down to just a few ashes. You'd see a little bit in there. What's the first thing I could, you can almost hear it now. She'd open that thing and, and then she'd get that little stick out, that poker, and you'd go, wow, get some of that in there. And then when it cools down a little bit, you get some of the ashes out of there. Get some of the ashes of discouragement out of there. Get some of the ashes of, of doubt and unbelief out of there. And you just, you put that fire. And then if you need to, you can put some of that kindling in there. You could put, uh, you know, put some more paper down there. Let that thing, and what's going to happen? That little bit of a spark is just going to roar up again. So you let that come roar up a little bit and you get a little big. Then you can put some more wood on top. And you don't want to choke the fire out too quick, you know, and then it'd be gone. So you just do it just a little bit. But see, that's what we have to do on a daily basis. We, we, we have the, the ashes of the discouragement, as I said. We have those things of unforgiveness that try to come in. Believe me, I've had it many times where you just, the, the thoughts, you know, write them off. Do this, do that, you know. But you just say, no, I forgive in Jesus' name. Father, forgive them. In your mind, you're thinking, they know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> but she's like, no, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Lord, forgive them. How could Jesus pray that? How could Stephen pray that, the first martyr of the church? And he's prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But that, that, that was the answer. And if we follow him, that'll be what we do as well. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Father, we just thank you so much today. That Lord, even as we know that we're in the last days. Lord, it's our desire that we protect our heart. And I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us. Holy Spirit, just show us exactly what areas that we need to fix in life. Things that, that we've let go. Things that we've, even when we, we've let our, our commitment slip. For some, it may be just letting that fire burn out. But all it takes is a, a decision just to say, I'm going to come back to that. And sometimes it's not that people are backslidden to some all the way to hell, but sometimes it just takes a little bit of a commitment and just on the inside. So I'm not going to have people come up this morning, but just different areas in your life, I want you to just look on the inside of you and just have a look of inspection. You know, the Bible says, examine yourselves, prove yourselves whether you're in the faith. And so, you know, there is a verse that talks about walking out your own salvation. You know, sometimes you just have to do business with God. You have to do business with Him and you just have to say, God, I lay myself on the altar. I lay myself, Lord, I ask you to do a work in my life. I ask you to, to change things in my life. It may, it may just be a willingness to do what he wants you to do. Just to, Lord, I, I've, I've had wrong um, friends. I've had, you know, wrong people that I've been hanging around. And, and Lord, I, I need to change that. Amen. The, the, the Holy Ghost will, will show you what that is. It could be just the people's opinions of what they think you should do. People's opinions of what you should be. How many know that we're only going to stand before one? Jesus is the only one we're going to stand before. Not your best friend. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we just commit ourselves to you today. And, Lord, we just ask you to, anything that's on the inside of us, Lord, anything in our mind that's not of you, Lord, that you would root it out even now. Lord, root it out. Lord, that it's destroyed. And I thank you for it. And I thank you, Lord, as it's plucked out, as it's pulled out, Lord, that then there can be a building and a planting of something even good. We thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. There shall be fruit in our lives that remains this year. Fruit in our lives that shall be even unto eternity. And we thank you for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we're going to be hungrier than we ever have for you. Lord, that we stir up the hunger. And we just say by faith, Lord, that we are hungry. We are hungry. We are hungry for you. Lord, we are desperate. We are, we're hungry for, some, for change in our lives. 
We're hungry for more of you. Out with the old and in with the new. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.